Hello and welcome to another of our series of podcasts produced by the International Monetary Fund here in Washington, D.C. It's often remarked that Africa suffers from a bad press. It's a continent where the negative is regularly reported and positive developments are simply overlooked, leading to an impression of the continent as a place of unrelenting corruption and hopeless poverty. But that's just not so, says one Africa specialist, and he's written a book explaining why. In Steve Radlett's new book entitled Emerging Africa, he identifies 17 African countries which have been making steady gains over the last decade and a half. The writer identifies major changes that have taken place in these countries which add up to a transformation. Earlier I spoke to Steve Radlett about the forces behind this transformation, but we began our conversation with a list of those 17 rising nations. Botswana, Burkina Faso, Cape Verde, Ethiopia, Ghana, Lesotho, Mali, Mauritius, Mozambique, Namibia, Rwanda, Sao Tome and Principe, the Seychelles, South Africa, Tanzania, Uganda, and Zambia. Each of those 17 countries has uh, achieved economic growth per person of at least 2% every year since 1995, meaning their overall GDP growth rate when you add in population growth rate is a minimum of about 4.5%. What are the sort of trends that you identify which make you say, okay, this is a real transformational change that we've seen in the last 15 years? You've mentioned the um, increased levels of growth in these 17 countries. What else have you been looking at? A lot of people who have recognized that uh, economic growth has begun to turn around in sub-Saharan Africa and some countries attribute it to oil prices or commodity prices. And I make the point that in the 17 countries that I've identified, the growth is not driven by commodity booms. It's something much more fundamental. And so I point to five fundamental changes. The first is a movement towards democracy, uh, greater accountability, and stronger governance starting, of course, with South Africa and the end of apartheid, but also including countries like Tanzania and Ghana and others. Second is a big change in economic policies, whereas 20 years ago, economic policies in many of these countries were really uh, quite poor, and uh, exchange rates were out of line, budget deficits were too high, inflation rates were too high, the business environment was quite bad, a lot of trade restrictions. They've moved towards much more sensible economic policies. The third thing is the end of the debt crisis that hung over the heads of so many of these countries for so long. For more than 20 years, uh, many of these countries have had high levels of debt and were forced to go and negotiate year after year with the IMF, with the World Bank, with the Paris Club of Creditors and others. Those debts have now been worked out. Many of them have been forgiven, and these countries have a clean slate to work forward on. Can I pick you up on that particular point? Because obviously it's an issue which is of particular interest to the IMF because it was involved in negotiating some of this debt relief. Can you give me an example of just how important it has been and how, instead of repaying the interest on that debt, an example of how countries have diverted that to more profitable sectors? Uganda has used more of it for primary school education. Tanzania has used more of it for health care. In Liberia, they're beginning to use this funding for infrastructure and other kinds of things. And one big part of this is, in fact, the money that it frees up. But there's another dimension which is at least as important, uh, and that is that because the debt has been forgiven, these countries have much more control 
now over setting their own economic policies. Now, the fourth factor that you've identified is the advent of new technologies, which you say have aided this economic takeoff by these 17 countries. What's the role of new technologies? This is primarily the introduction of cell phones. Cell phones are all over the place in sub-Saharan Africa today, and they are changing everything, uh, creating new economic opportunities so that farmers know the best place and the best time to sell their crops, uh, to literacy programs where uh, people get uh, words uh, sent to them by text. It's changing everything, and that's creating new economic opportunities that just didn't exist a few years ago, which I think will help sustain the economic growth and provide new economic opportunities for poor people, for the middle class, and for others that just didn't have those opportunities. Now, the fifth factor you identify is the new generation of savvy and very promising young leaders. Who are the sort of characters you're thinking of? For many years, the leadership in Africa were people who had come out of the fight for independence and then became part of the new governments that took over shortly thereafter. And many, to be honest, were better at fighting for independence than they were at running governments. And we all know that many of the governments uh, during the 70s and 80s were corrupt, were autocrats, were dictators, and created many of the, the problems, or at least made those problems worse. Today, there's a whole new generation of leaders, mostly young, that have have taken, begun to take their place. So name some names. Well, who are you thinking of? One that immediately comes to mind is Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, who's not young, but does indicate a, a new leadership. John Gathongo, who was in Kenya, an anti-corruption leader, but is emblematic of the kind of generational leaders. And you see them through the NGOs, through small businesses, through uh, many, many others. Amara Kone, who's the Minister of Planning in Liberia, uh, spent many years in a refugee camp when his family was gunned down during the Liberian uh, civil War and went from that refugee camp to uh, college in the United States and then instead of staying in a comfortable job in the United States decided to go home and contribute his skills to Liberia. He's young and smart and energetic and now running the Ministry of Planning there and setting the course for economic policy into the future. This isn't the first time that Africa has seen a period of, of, of sustained growth. In the 1960s, Sub-Saharan Africa was on an upward trajectory only to suffer some real declines in the 80s. What makes you think that this time it's different? Well, uh, in the 60s, it's true, there was a pretty decent growth across many countries in Africa, not all, but many countries in Africa up until the mid-1970s. Uh, and that was, of course, the time of the independence movements. But a couple of things went wrong. One was that uh, economic disturbances around the world that hit African countries quite uh, pretty badly. But second, uh, unfortunately, a lot of those uh, newly independent countries were led by governments that uh, became authoritarian with centralized power, where governments really did not manage their economies very well. And the combination of, of the pretty bad economic environment uh, compounded by very poor governance and very poor leadership really led most of sub-Saharan Africa into 20 years of decline. Today, uh, I think, as I say, these five things are quite different. Today's leaders are held more accountable than many of their predecessors. That's one change. The other is that 30 or 40 years ago, there was a great debate about communism and strong forms of socialism rather than more market-based solutions. We haven't quite solved that debate, but many countries have discarded some of the strongest forms of state control. So we have more sensible economic policies. Coupled now with the, the new technologies uh, and, and new leadership, suggest to me that the changes this time around can be sustained uh, over a much longer period of time and for more countries. And that was Steve Radlett speaking about his new book, Emerging Africa.
And for more on the economics of the continent and to listen to other podcasts in this series, log on to the IMF's website, www.imf.org. Until next time. Thank you.